Hi, and welcome to another episode of A Shot Glass of Recovery. Happy Thanksgiving, Americans. With your beautiful and special and precious host, Julie. Half of the dynamic duo that brings you two sober chicks. So I just want to tell all of you that Lisa says hi. She is alive and well, very busy with work. We hope to do a together podcast soon, but I'll get on her butt about doing a um, call-in podcast. Um, Can I just say, y'all, that my period is trying to kill me? Sorry, guys. (laughs) The struggle is real, and I'm wearing red lipsticks to celebrate because I'm ritually like that. Okay, so today I want to read something from some a reading called Keep It Simple for today, November 26th, because I really loved it. And it reads, love is the reward of love, Johann von Schiller. When we used alcohol and other drugs, we shared little as possible. There was little love in our hearts. We had become selfish. This caused us to be lonely. Then something happened to change all of that. Remember the first time you walked into a meeting? You were met by people who shared. Maybe they shared a smile, their story, or just a cup of coffee with you. The sharing that goes on in a 12-step program is great. Oh, I have chills. We learn that the more we give, the more we get. We get well by giving to others. Helping others is a great way to hold on to sobriety. Love is the reward of love. Prayer for the day. I pray that I will be there when others need me. I pray that service will become a big part of my program. Action for the day. Today, I'll think of friends who could use my help. I'll talk to them and offer to be there for them. Isn't that beautiful? Um, so true confessions, I only read the first two lines. So anything beyond this caused us to be lonely... Just before that question, remember the first time you walked into a meeting, I started stopped reading at home and I was like, oh, I have to share this right away. But do you remember your first meeting? And if you haven't been to one, I assure you they're far less scary than you think. Uh, During COVID, I know it's been at least up here for a long time, quite impossible to go to an in-person meeting. And then we had in-person meetings and now we don't have them again. And don't get me started on that. Um, hey kids, go back to school. You're fine. AA members and church people, don't you dare gather. Okay, that's my political share for the day. So it made me think about my first meeting and it made me think about step 12 because they are obviously involved. The people that were there at that meeting, whether or not they, whether or not, I always worry when I'm stumbling on my words like this about me being a pastor. Well, I am a pastor, but when I'm preaching, stumbling over my words, I have two sermons to prep um, for the next two weeks. I'm going to be preaching to my home church congregation um, December 6th and December 27th. And now it is a little bit different because that will be rehearsed up the wazoo and this isn't, but I worry that I'm going to speak too fast and trip over my words, like I often do here, but I'm just so damn excited when I'm talking to you. So I digress. So the people at that meeting, whether or not they knew it, 
were in service. Because if that meeting wasn't there, I couldn't have gone to it. And if that beautiful, redheaded, curly-haired, Susan Sarandon-looking woman was not standing at the door to welcome me with the bright smile and the wonderful, beautiful energy of love that she shot out to me as I was walking down the corridor um, to my death, I would not be here. So going to a meeting is step is step 12. It's your service. Greeting people at the door is a huge act of service. It makes the meeting less scary for some, more scary for others. I had no idea there was greeters. I probably wouldn't have gone. But when that woman locked eyes on me and brought me in, it was exactly the way I needed to experience the meeting. And I believe we all get exactly the experience we need when we go to a meeting. And that includes people who don't have a good experience. That experience is there for a reason. God, it was all over that. It just is required by us to look at at it to see why that was our experience, what it meant, what it could do to help us. I find that some of the best lessons that I've learned, some of the best decisions I have made have been as a result of really horrible things happening. I often find that I arrive at the best decision when I'm confronted with the wrong decision or the wrong idea um, rather than when something goes smoothly. That's why I love when people in my life have different opinions than me and I get the gut rot truth, which Lisa's really good at, by the way, the gut rot truth of life or their opinion or the reality of things is way more helpful to me than people that are like, that's great, keep going. So my first meeting with that woman brought me in and I never left. Even when I relapsed at two and a half years, I kept coming coming to meetings. I mean, I know a good thing when I see it. It's also why I married my husband 11 days after I met him. Uh, my first meeting was exactly what I needed it to be. I wasn't, I didn't buy in for the first half, but I surely bought in for the second half. Uh, I'm just reading the reading because there was something else I wanted to mention. The more we give, the more we get. So you can start being of service right at the beginning of your recovery. There's no reason you can't do step 12 when you haven't even done step one. There's this really cool thing that happens with service where A, you think you're, you actually, service is one of those weird paradoxes where you think you're doing it to help others, but it's actually being done to help you. And as addicts, we're so self-focused all the time. How do I feel? What do I want? What's my opinion? I cannot handle this feeling. I cannot handle this thought. Hence, we need something to bring us out of our heads. And it's usually addictive behaviors or substances. Where service comes in is that it automatically makes the focus go outward. What can I do for you? How are you feeling? What's your opinion? How are you suffering? And that is such a relief. It's like putting a pause on the brain. So that's why we say if you're not, if you feel like you're going to relapse, reach out to someone, anyone. How are you doing today? Thinking of you today. Can I pray for you today? I'm praying for you today. Or please pray for me today. That invites someone into our pain and to our suffering. So I love that action for the day. I'll think of friends who could use my help. So what that made me think about is there's a gentleman in my life who is in recovery who's a little bit ornery. And every group he goes to, he wants them to take out the Lord's Prayer. And if he is one of those beloved AA members 
who comes into a group, changes it, and then leaves. You know those types? We had one at my um, first home group. This At one point, there was this very mentally ill man that attended a closed meeting, and he sat in the corner, and he didn't identify, and he didn't speak, and she was very upset by this, which I get. I totally get. I had been a member of that home group for two years. She had been there the entire time. She rarely showed up at these closed meetings, and um, she brought it up at the next few business meetings. I was outraged and upset, and she couldn't focus, and it ruined her meeting, and then after we changed it, the group conscience decided to, I don't even remember what it was, but it was like that person had to sit at the table and had to identify and she left. And this gentleman has been to two or three groups, has petitioned to take the Lord's Prayer out. I can't remember if it was successful in any of the groups. I'm pretty sure it was in two of them and then left. (laughs) And um, he does not like my political leanings. And I won't tell you what they are, But it was not, they were not friendly with his political leanings. And when he tried to argue with me about them, I wouldn't get into it. He'd just be like, well, this is how I feel and I'm happy. And I'd be like, that's awesome. Agree to disagree. I'm happy too. And he decided that he really didn't want to um, participate in my online friends anymore. I'm not a Facebooker, but I am an Instagrammer. And he decided not to follow me. And some of my now this man, the entire time that I have been friends with him and followed him, he has posted the most aggressive, angry political stuff of which I have never made one comment. And I just recently started sharing mine. And they aren't judgmental against other people. They're just like sharing something that I agree with. And he unfollowed me. And I know this sounds ridiculous, but the point is he tried to follow me again. I was like, fuck that shit. And I've been thinking of him and I've been thinking he's been my friend in recovery in the rooms and outside of the rooms, by the way, for a long time. I think it's been nine years now, maybe even 10. I'm like, Julie, are you really? And I've been thinking I want to, you know, I've been very self-satisfied with my fuck you. You're not I'm not allowing you to follow me back again. And um feeling pretty self-righteous, to be honest. And I've been thinking the last couple of days as I see his wife's jam in my fridge and as I think about the fact that when I, oh, I'm going to cry. When my husband came up here for the first time, because we got married very quickly, there was a lot of judgment and a lot of people that I feel were very rude to him in a very Canadian way. Um, which is so fucking weird. It's like nasty nice. I didn't realize how terrible, I shouldn't say Canadians because I don't know about other Canadians, but Torontonians in general, I would say, are nasty nice. I didn't realize how terrible they were until um, my husband came up here so much and started, I started seeing Torontonians through his eyes. And this man brought us flowers and congratulated us and he's very scared of COVID. So we had a mask on and he came over and I can't tell you like he's one of very few people that did that and he was the first one. And so I'm sitting here thinking, are you really going to let this stupidity, even if he instigated it, prevent you from reaching out to him? Oh, I realized I was so upset over this. So I realized today, it's already been brewing with me, but that action step that today I'll think of friends who could use my help. I'll talk to them and offer to be there for him. I know I have to reach out for him because that's what our program teaches us. 
I know sometimes it's like love and tolerance is our code. I hate that word tolerance because it's like, I'll tolerate you. Ugh, it's so hard for me, but I'll tolerate you. Like love is our code. So whew. welcome to my therapy session. I'm in my closet and I have Kleenex. I'm going to wipe my snot on a towel. Ugh, okay. Do you charge for your services, by the way? That was well worth it. Uh, so that can be, you know, an amend is a step 12. So I'm not sure if I have to go that far or make an amend, but I'm definitely going to reach out and see how he's doing because he's fucking crazy, but I love him. All right. So um, I'm a person who loves like the call to action when I go to retreats or anything else or church. I like when there's a question posed to me because it makes me instead of a passive participant, an active participant. And I'm sure because you guys are all awesome and those of us in recovery are badasses, there is already that person that's been brought to mind that you can reach out to. So my charge for you, beloved recovery warriors, is is there someone you're thinking of that you're that is you you're irked by them, but you just you know it you love them and you know they're crazy and you know this is a weird fucking time in our world and you just gotta reach out and say, Hey, I'm thinking of you. How are you doing? Is there someone in your mind right now? Because that's the person that I charge you to reach out to today. I didn't even talk about what we I wanted to talk about, but isn't that the cool part of just like surrendering to the moment? Just go with the flow. That's what this podcast is all about. Lisa and I, our first podcast when we were sitting on the floor in her condo with one shared microphone and had no idea what we were doing and had to learn how to do music beds and editing and uploading. Like it was just from the very beginning a stream of consciousness. And now we've shifted. We've had to shift. We can't meet in person anymore. So each one of us, when time allows, does this on our in our house, in our closet, and uploads it to SoundCloud. And it's like from GarageBand. And then it just like flies out into the world and is heard by people all over the world. So if you're in a little teeny tiny place in a closet listening or in a car or you want a drink and you're at home and you're miles away from anyone, I so appreciate your time with me. And if you need any support or any help at all, we answer every single message, DM, email. DM's a little slow because I'm not on Instagram or Twitter that much on Two Sober Chicks, but I am, I promise you. But email always, sometimes within like minutes. So you can email us two sober chicks at gmail.com and that's the number two. Not T-W-O, but two sober chicks at gmail.com and on Twitter and Instagram at two sober chicks. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.